0: Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze.
1: Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I've got Lorinda Ray with us, and she is with the ministry Ray of Hope. We are going to be talking about. Well, a few different things. I, I don't want to get in too deep because I want her to kind of share the story because I have a feeling this is a story that a lot of people might resonate with. But before we do that, let's get into a little bit of house, uh, house cleaning. First of all, if you are interested in starting an online ministry or a faith-based business, I am still running the Teresa Blaze Show. It is past episode 50, so there's plenty of content for you to consume Second of all, unresolved news is still going. In fact, I just published an ep- a, uh, a article that was referred to on the last episode here, dealing with the death by euthanasia. There's a lot of really rough topics that I deal with over there, but they need to be dealt with. So, if you guys want to find out more about what I'm doing, you can find it at teresablaze.com. So or unresolvednews.com. So, with that, let's get on with the show, shall we? Lorinda, welcome to Unresolved Life. Thank you, Teresa you grew up in a nice Christian home, right? Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How does your story begin?
0: You know, I was born, I was extremely shy when I was born. So I I think maybe some of us are a little bit predisposed to low self-esteem to begin with. But I'd have to say when I I was a young child, um, I had two very loving parents, just kind of just the all-American little family. But early on, I had some experiences with some neighbor kids and uh one was actually about my age and then a couple of teenagers that were friends of my brothers and they had molested me several times and i don't really have a whole lot of memories about that uh, the, the majority of the memory is from the last time that it ever happened where they had molested me in one of their backyards and they told me not to tell anybody and that i better shut up and all this and then i They looked away for a minute and I grabbed my clothes and I ran home as fast as I could. And then kind of like, that's when memory started flooding into my mind that they would typically tell me not to say anything and they would frighten me. And I was, like I said, I was extremely shy. How old,
1: let me ask you this. How old were you when this started happening?
0: I don't know when it started, but I was probably about eight when it stopped you had multiple situations like that. You
1: had multiple encounters with, with uh, molestation. Did they threaten you that they would hurt you if you told or, or what was it? What were the nature of the threats?
0: You know, I don't remember uh, the nature of the threats, just that I better not and just threatening words. So I don't remember the specific words, but uh, it, it was enough to scare somebody that was shy to begin with. Um, But I do have to say, my mom did go to bat when I ran home and told her. uh, It took her about two seconds to march over to the neighbors and start screaming at them about it. Oh wow! Okay, so you did tell your mom. I did. I finally. I that was the moment where I just kind of woke up out of it, and I ran home and I told my mom, and she got on it, and it never did happen by by those kids after that. So fortunately, it did come to an end at that point when I spoke up.
1: Even if you um, do wake up and you tell someone having that kind of experience leaves a mark so what happened to you
0: going forward it leaves a mark that you don't even know has penetrated you know as children it's actually I didn't realize this was gonna be so difficult to talk about because I've shared this many times but as children the things that happen to us as children stay with us for the rest of our lives in whether a conscious, many times probably a subconscious um, state where we act in ways relating to that event or events that happened to us as a child or the way we were spoken to. Um, It's just so important for us to recognize the damage of people when they're children and the damaging effects for their life. I've spent the rest of my life uh, from the time I was a teenager on up dating people who were abusive to me and rejecting people who were kind. I didn't know how to be with someone that was kind to me. But I understood what it I was comfortable, I guess. I understood what it was like to be with somebody that was abusive to me. So a very strange phenomenon that happens. If you spend a lifetime in abuse, you, you know what I'm talking about. It sounds crazy. But you just get with one person after another. I have seen a lot of people
1: that walk the pattern that you're talking about. I have seen a lot of people walk that pattern. And you sit there and you go, why is it? That they choose, kind of the low end of the barrel as far as like relationships go, right, the
0: bottom of the barrel.
1: Yeah, why? How many relationships are we dealing with that you actually walked through that were abusive?
0: Oh, for heaven's sakes, I don't even know if I count them all. Uh, let's see, let's well, well, let's say four marriages, uh, a couple of boyfriends thrown in the mix too. So probably less than a dozen. You know, it just seems like everybody I was with was that way to one extent or another. Okay.
1: Was there a pattern to uh, the actual relationships that you chose?
0: Yeah, I think so. And and as I, as I have matured and started paying attention to, to my problem with that, you know, you don't realize you have this problem until it happens over and over again. And then suddenly you wake up one morning and go, you know, <laughs> I think I have a serious problem going on here, but I I kind of think it stems from um, our need for approval. Somehow something spins out in our brain and we have to constantly seek that approval from somebody. And these people come along and they tell us all the right things and they swoon us. And it usually is a relationship that moves quickly. So you don't really have a whole lot of time to develop a good, solid friendship It's a quick relationship and they tell you all the great things and all the flattering things. And to be honest with you, it reminds me of Satan in the garden saying all the right words, putting on the charm, flashing the smile and all the beguiling. And then to to somebody that's got a low self-esteem and insecure, that's what you need to hear because you need to hear that value that you are important to somebody and that you're loved and that you're worthwhile. And so they make you feel like that. But the thing to watch out for is they make you feel that way too soon. And so I think I would caution anyone that's getting in a relationship, if they're pushing the relationship to the next level too quickly without actually having a solid foundation as a friend, I'd really be cautious of that person who's pushing it like that.
1: Let me ask you this. What was your relationship with God like during these times?
0: I just am so grateful that my parents always took us to church. So I did have a relationship to some extent with God. And um, I did believe in Jesus and all that. And and I was baptized as a young child. Over the years, I've thought, you know, I, I believe that when I became baptized, that sealed my relationship with God, that He was not going to let me go, that he was going to hang on. And it's like a, a commitment in a marriage, and that's what baptism is. And I just truly believe that when I committed my life to Christ, he was a million times committed to me. And so, yes, despite all the stupid stuff I did and my crazy way of thinking, God was on my side, always there to help me through these situations, and it's taken me a lifetime because some of us take a little longer <laughs> to figure things out you know i look at my life and i kind of look at it a, a bit like a baseball bat right and i've always been beating myself over the head all these years and punishing myself almost and then you go out and you look for other people to punish yourself punish you and it's just one big beating after another whether through somebody else or or yourself but that's not what God wants for us, He doesn't want us living in that battle, and that is so satanic, is what it battles, uh, what it ends up um, coming down to. It's just a satanic attack. God, Satan does not want us feeling valuable. He does not want us knowing our self worth in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to know our identity. He will do anything. As, he, as much as he possibly can to distract us and to knock us to our feet. His whole purpose is to seek and destroy. What is Jesus work? To seek and save. Satan is to seek and destroy. And when you finally realize that when you're in that cycle of abuse, I think that kind of helps put things into perspective, that this is an all-out spiritual battle, and Satan is out for blood.
1: I grew up in an abusive home, not from my parents per se, just circumstantial, just stuff. I grew up in a very broken home. It takes you a long time to discover that, wait, you are valuable. Wait, I am valuable to a king. You know, and and Satan, if you really think about it, he really wants to get to the heart of God. So what's the best way to get to the heart of God? By messing over his kids.
0: Yes, and we can be... Followers of Jesus and oh Satan is rubbing his hands together. He's salivating, thinking, ha ha, I am going to turn this person away from Jesus, you know, just just like what he did to Job. And he was doing everything all out of salts on Job to try to show God, hey, this person doesn't really love you. Even if we have a relationship to some extent with God, Satan will do whatever he can to distract us. And if it's through an abusive relationship, we may still pray. We'll, we may still go to church. We may still pretend like everything is okay and that we're these you know nice little Christian people while basically hell is breaking loose at home. That's okay with Satan if you're going to church because your eyes are not fully on God when you're in that abusive relationship. Your mind is on. You're still putting that person as your God. You're trying to get approval, you're trying to please them, you're dancing around constantly, worrying about what they're going to do next, when they're going to fly off the handle, and you're worried about covering up for them. Your whole life is making them your God. And ultimately, what you're wanting is that love, but that love does not come from that person. The love you're wanting is the love from your Savior. And Satan doesn't want you coming into that fullness in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and he will just keep knocking you down. And he does the same thing over and over again. If you think about it, you go from one relationship to another. He doesn't even have to invent a new distraction. He can just keep using the same one as long as we keep letting him do that. And, you know, it's interesting because if you think about it, Satan will use bad relationships and drugs and alcohol, job situations, Um, And all these, he will use all these. And many times, these are all happening within that abusive relationship. You know, one or both of you are doing drugs and alcohol, or you have job instability, and there's just so much chaos going on. Oh my goodness, Satan is in his height of glory when he has got that going on. And it's just an enormous amount of chaos in these relationships and so generally people like myself were codependents and we're trying to fix everything we're trying to smooth everything over we're trying to pick up the pieces pay the bills work 24 hours a day we're trying to cover up for the alcoholic we're trying to cover up for the beatings and everything we're lying for them and we're doing this big dance every single day and trying to not show the world that we're living in complete chaos it's just really truly a mess and it's funny because we're really good at covering it up that's the thing well you almost
1: have to be because you feel like if anyone else finds out and i become exposed it could get a lot worse at least that's the mindset
0: yeah, it could get a lot worse. I know for me, I didn't want harm to the other people. I just wanted them to be nice. So I didn't want harm. I was afraid with the, one of my husbands who was extremely physically abusive. I actually did have uh, my, my pastor call me a few times and ask me directly, is he abusive? And right before I would answer him, he would say, just know if you answer yes, I have to report this. <laughs> So then I would say, no, he's not abusive because I didn't want him to get hurt. It scared me. It almost felt like a threat coming from the pastor, which to be honest with you, sometimes if you have been a Christian um, you can find that your church isn't necessarily behind you, and that was the case with that situation. My my, not all my church, but the, the you know people I was going to, the people I had reached out to, were actually in defense of my abuser, and they were blaming me for the abuse and telling me that I needed to be a better Christian. And so I was not only doing the dance for him, my husband, but for these church members too. And so I was a that almost felt like he was tricking me, right? Like he didn't want to report him either. So right before I I wanted to say, yes, he is abusive, right before I could answer, just remember, I have to report him if you say yes. And I mean, you know, you hear that? And that is outright manipulation.
1: And this is, I mean, this really stems into something that I see common enough with the church. Not all the time, but... It's almost like we really don't want to deal with these dark subjects, so let's just kind of keep that under the rug. We'll shove it under the rug. Don't talk about it. Don't say anything. We don't want to talk about it. We just want to have our good little social club.
0: I think some churches are starting to realize, hey, you know what, we have a lot of issues like abuse and alcoholism and such going on in our churches. We need to stop denying it and living in denial. Sometimes they're enablers to it. And Mm -hmm. so I think they're starting to wake up and come to the realization that they need to uh, be there for their church members instead of just brushing it under the rug.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Um, I assume you were completely out of those situations now and so on and so forth. What actually uh, changed things for you?
0: I think after you've been through so many and you've lost everything, you finally, you know, it's basic, it's kind of like an alcoholic where you hit bottom, you have nothing left to give And over time, God had been waking me up and leading me places. Uh, But finally, you just wake up one morning and you say, wow, I have made a horrible mistake. And God, I see what's happening right now. And, And during the process, literally God stopped me in my tracks one day. I'm walking through my room and God just speaks to my heart and says, stop living in fear, knock it off. Literally, knock it off. Those were the words, (laughs) knock it off. And I, I just, it took my breath away because I spent the next month or so really thinking about that. And I thought, you know what? Oh my goodness. Everything that I've put myself through and allowed to happen to me was based out of fear. And so, yeah, these people were a real problem. And some of them I allowed to have happen and some of them I didn't. And I can share, you know, some of the things I've been through. But, you know, my problem that I'd been battling that was holding me back was fear. And you know, God tells us through the Bible more than anything, don't have fear, trust in me, right? And and I was afraid of everything. I was afraid to leave these people. I was afraid to. Speak up about what they were doing. I w- had a fear of rejection in my life. I was afraid of being alone. I had a fear of embarrassment. I had a fear of failure. I had a fear of being screamed at. <laughs> you know, just you name it, in my life, I was in fear. And God showed me you need to stop living in fear and instead live in faith, live in faith in me and trust in me. And I, I really took some time to reflect on that. And I do, I still daily have to reflect on that because Satan wants to keep throwing up, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you can't do this, you can't do that. Oh, you're just, you know, this and that and all those negative words that that Satan's always throwing. So it's a daily a daily thing that we have to stay in God's promises and remind ourselves of who we are. The
1: funny thing is, um, I have a friend, uh, and one of the things that she often says is that, you know, uh, if it's not out of column A, i.e., it's not out of God's um, thinking of, you know, love, joy, peace, all the stuff that we know God for, then it has to, by nature, be out of column B, which is the enemy. And we know that. That in in His Word, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Well, if God has not given it, then it must by nature come from the evil one. Okay, so you kind of get awakened. You kind of start realizing, whoa, wait a minute, I'm I'm walking in fear. This is not this is not something I want to be doing. So, what are some of the next steps that you take in order to get you know free of the abuse? Because a lot of people may be listening and they're going, but well, you don't know what I'm going through.
0: I have just steered clear of love relationships and I have focused on real relationships around me, real friends, real relationships, and that includes my relationship with God. That's the relationship we need to be focusing on first and foremost. We're always looking for acceptance in this world. We're always wanting, you know the world to applaud us for this and that and throw us a parade and tell us how great we are. We're just not going to find it. We're going to end up empty every single time, and you're not going to find that person that you're really looking for and hoping for unless you have that deep relationship with your Father, with Jesus Christ. And it's been the greatest thing. I'd never gone for a, a lengthy amount of time without a relationship, and to be honest, it's been the greatest experience because I have had this experience with God That has been transforming for me and focusing on my kids. And instead of having chaos, we have peace. And if you've lived a life of chaos and abuse, you know how even sometimes just waking up in the morning gives that person a reason to scream at you just because you woke up wrong. Wake up in the morning, have my dog come and kiss me on the cheek, look out the window, hear the birds, that sort of peace and knowing that you're at peace with God, you're at peace in your life. That is such a tremendous feeling. And I know that sounds so simple.
1: Not only are you looking at a situation where you're not used to being at peace, you know, a lot of times you have to literally go, well, wait a minute, what does that actually mean to me? What does it actually look like to be at peace? I don't know how to operate. I've lived so long in this chaos state. I don't know how to
0: operate in a state of peace. As I reflect on my life, I remember times where peace was just tickling at my door. Right, it was just knocking at my door, and I'd sense peace coming, and I'd go, "Oh no, I need chaos. I need. I don't know how to handle this downtime. It's boring. Maybe I need to move. I need a different job. I need a different relationship. I need this. I need some. I need something chaotic going on. I don't know how to deal with peace because I had not had it." for so long. I didn't know what it was. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah, that was what was so glorious to me was just that first time when I woke up in the morning with my dog snuggled up to me and the sun shining in and just it was quiet. And I it was so peaceful that it jumped out at me like, wow, this is something I have never experienced. And it was incredible. And I love that.
1: (laughs) And you could even um, stretch that out from maybe someone hasn't been in an abusive situation, but again, they've just grown up and they've had a lot of chaos in their home. Mm -hmm. And so now they've gotten away from that. And oh my goodness, how do I, what does this look like? And what does it look like to actually walk into a relationship, a uh, love story relationship with God? And now he's given me uh, his peace. I. I don't know how to operate in this.
0: One of the things I love most about it is not only is it keep my nerves calm, right? My anxiety levels calm, but it allows me to hear God talking to me because my hearing is not all clouded out by chaos. So I can hear God leading and directing my life and he doesn't have to yell so loud. And I feel like instead of him constantly being on a search and rescue, for me that now he's like, all right, now we can get to work and we can create in you the heart that I really want to create, transform you into the person I want to transform you in. So let's get to work and get to the meat of the subject. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when we have that peace in Christ, peace that passes all understanding, We can still have that peace even though there's chaos going on. So just because I say I'm at peace doesn't mean things are perfect in my life, but I can have peace despite the things that are going on in my life. And that only comes from Jesus. Amen.
1: So what would you say to the person who's looking to get out of that uh, abusive situation now or out of that chaos situation now?
0: One of the things that is so helpful to do is whether you put it on your phone, maybe you have an abuser and you don't feel comfortable printing something out and putting it on the mirror, which is really great if you can do that, but at least uh, put it on your phone and refer to um, healing scriptures from the Bible, um, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. That's a huge verse, especially I think for a lot of us that have been through abusive situations. But that is a transforming scripture, Jeremiah 29, to let us know that the pain that we're going through is not what God has planned. He has hope and a future for us. Amen. And I'm also thinking of another verse that a friend of mine
1: uh, sent me. I think it was like 33, 6, although I'm not exactly sure. I'm not 100% sure. But it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you out with loving kind- kindness.
0: Yes. And there's so many scriptures and just Google healing scriptures and read those over, write out things that are positive about you. You know, I am a nice person. I'm a kind person. I cook well, which isn't necessarily one that's on my list on that one. (laughs) But, you know, write out affirmations about yourself because you're not going to hear it from your abuser. and you may be doing this dance of trying to get applause from your abuser, but you're not going to get it. You're just going to keep being told you're unworthy and unvaluable and probably words that I can't say here. And But you can say them to yourself and it's going to feel like a lie. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard to tell yourself these affirmations because your mind does not believe it. But you can reprogram your mind. And that's why God says, you know, create in me a new heart and that we are transformed. That's because God, through God and his healing, you can shed off that old man and he can recreate you. And we need to use words that are positive and building up, right? Like um, Ephesians 4.29, use words that build one another up. And that includes that build us up too. We don't want to be listening to those negative words. Words and it, trust me, it's hard. And I think if we're accustomed to hearing these negative words, I don't think we ever totally shake that, but we have the armor to battle it now. We've got God's scripture and we can fight off those negative words because Satan, you know, our fight isn't complete until our last breath, right? So we're in a fight for our soul through our eternal life, through our life here on earth. And um, Satan doesn't want to let go. He wants to make sure that we are destroyed. But our God is so much greater, so much more powerful. He loves us. Love goes a long way. Love conquers all, right? And... (sighs) It's just absolutely amazing, even if you don't believe the positive things about yourself, even if you don't really believe that God finds you worthy to start with, just keep telling yourself because you eventually will come to believe it and realize your value.
1: There are situations where it is best to reach out and talk to someone and go, I don't know what to do, but I need help. It is the most uh, crucial thing that you can do
0: yes it is and if you like me there were times i thought i was telling the right people they were the wrong people don't quit telling people keep telling people until you find that person that's going to help you you know when it, when i was growing up i had been through through the molestation and later on had gotten into Verbally abusive and physically abusive relationships, and I think the thing that really solidified my low self esteem was when I was raped in my early twenties with an ice pick up to my throat, and then later impregnated, or not later, but then I later found out that I had been impregnated, and um, that was that really really messed with my head and threw my whole life into a downspin. And then even after I was going through all of that, I had a relative come and beat me up, right? A relative that had been my friend who was involved in drugs, beat me up, blamed me for the rape. And it was just one thing after another. And so I was certainly at a very low point in my life and panic attacks and everything. And it was from then on that I had gotten married to abusive people. And I battled panic attacks that sent me to the hospital because not only had I not fully healed from what had happened when I was raped, but in these relationships um, with drug addiction and abuse, uh, my health was really failing. I was having these panic attacks that would end me up in the hospital. I was losing weight. I probably weighed about a hundred pounds. I my hair was falling out. I had rosacea, acne all over like my back and my face. I just felt like I was dying from the inside out. And uh, I would have to say I had an eating disorder because of it. You know, if if you've gone through a, um abusive situation or a rape, and the rape is what triggered my eating disorder because you have these things that happen around you that you have no control over, but you can control your weight. And so um, I would just exercise constantly. I would use laxatives to eliminate. And I was just skin and bones for a long time. It, It was just a very, very dark time, several years, and just going from one bad relationship to another and never like crying out to Jesus but not knowing any other way of living, right? It was just where I was at. And although I wanted to have a relationship with God and I, through all this, I was having kids and they were going to Christian school. I played the piano at church. And in the meantime, I would be so exhausted. Here I was, skin and bones. Not only were my exes abusive, but they didn't work, right? So I had to support them. And literally, I had to have like, Bags under my eyes for days, and I couldn't sleep at night. If I did fall asleep, my abuser would wake me up, and you know, start screaming at me in the middle of the night. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible existence, and very, very difficult to get out of because there's so much brainwashing that goes on through that. So um, through my marriages, I had was married to an alcoholic drug abuser. Physical abuse. My last marriage, I actually moved states for him. I quit my job. He got rid of everything I owned and I moved states. And then no sooner did we get married and start, you know, our life together. Within days, I mean, three days after we got married, it was back up to nights of being screened at. I wasn't good enough. And he was dating his ex girlfriend. Bragging to me about other women, constantly accusing me of things that I didn't, that I wasn't doing, writing me letters of all the things wrong with me, (laughs) just on and on. You know, you finally get to that point where you just say, No, I'm not going to play this game anymore. God is my father. God is the one who loves me. And uh, you want to know what love is? Go read Corinthians. And if your relationship is not that, then that is not a loving relationship. And I have to say, I did stay in uh, one of my relationships probably way too long because I believed as a Christian that I couldn't divorce that person. And yeah, and I think a lot of Christians feel that way. We feel like we have to stay in that relationship because of our uh, devotion to God. But I think infidelity, infidelity can happen in many ways, not just with them cheating on you with a person, but with them with them and their abuse and they're screaming at you. I just find that a form of infidelity. They are not being committed to you and a loving relationship. They are in love with their own sick mind, <laughs> whatever they got going on with. They're having a, an affair in their mind with something else and they're taking it all out on you. And, you know, I do believe God works through other people too. I've had, you know, situations where people reached out to me. I shared a story about how my pastor kind of sided with with my uh, abuser, but I also had another pastor who his wife, out of the blue, calls me and says, "I feel like you're in this situation, and I need to tell you." that God doesn't want you to live like that. And it's okay to get divorced. In fact, to protect you and your children, you should get divorced. You can always remarry later. She reassured me. You can always remarry later after things get calmed down. But through, through my situations, I realized that God is fighting for us. He doesn't want us hurting. He is fighting for us. He will use people and circumstances to... Help you out of that situation and through it all, what is it that He does want? He wants us to be in that relationship with Him because when we ultimately realize that we're in a battle and a fight for our soul, we can suddenly step back and say, You know what? I don't have to live my life pleasing others, the only thing I need to live my life for is pleasing my Father to please Jesus. My existence here is to love God and love others not to be somebody's punching bag not to be pleasing people but to love God and love others and God will do the work of making sure that happens when our eyes are focused on him and you know spending that time reading his scripture and in prayer with him and that's what he wants for us life abundance. And it's an eternal battle that we're fighting. And we can conquer that battle because if you think about it, Christ already has conquered the battle. He has already won. And all you have to do is say, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I want that abundance in life from you come into my heart and grab me and take me there.
1: That I I couldn't have ended it any better um there's just a lot to what you said um you know god is wanting to fight for us and uh a lot of times he's just waiting for us to get to that point where we're willing to call on him that's just it i mean he's just waiting for us to get to that point where we're uh calling on him and so i i mm, wow um first of all thank you for sharing Uh, that story, those stories, and a little glimpse of what you went through. I mean, it takes a
0: lot of stuff to do that. Thanks, Teresa. Well, the good news is is that we have a, a Savior, and He's preparing us, and He's preparing us for home with Him. And if that's, I look at it, if that's what I had to go through to get my heart right and to stop living in fear, but to start living in faith then I guess that's what I had to go through until I finally decided, wait a minute, I want to I be with Jesus. That's what I want my focus to be on. So if I had to go through that, then I guess it's worth it. And I also have four great kids out of the deal too. And that's not too shabby. No,
1: it's not. It's not. <laughs> well, if people want to contact you, how can they go ahead and uh, do that?
0: Oh, if you would like to reach out to me, uh, you can always email me, Lorenda Ray at gmail.com, L O R E N D A R A E at gmail.com. Or I have a Facebook page, uh, Lorenda Ray, Ray of Hope, and that's R A E, Ray of Hope. And you can uh, message me there, and I share a lot of uplifting and encouraging thoughts there.
1: Beautiful. Well, guys, um if you are uh, if you're listening to this and you're in an ab- abusive and messed up situation, both Lorenda and I can relate, and uh, we are both willing to talk to you if needed, okay? Uh, we will link her f- Facebook page up in the show notes so you can find it easily. Uh, just go to www.unresolved.life. It'll be under episode 85, which you'll find it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, With that, guys, I'm Teresa Blaze. This has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time.
0: You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.